0: Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR Podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR Conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps Podcast. So, Welcome to the Mac DevOps Podcast, where Matt posts on Twitter that there's new dates on the website and then goes crazy steaming ahead to the website to go and update all the dates. And then as people live comment in Slack about how he has not edited all the dates, (laughs) he is fishing around looking for more uh, text to edit.
1: (laughs) Global find and replace isn't a thing, huh?
0: Not in WordPress, apparently. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah no there's no devops in our wordpress site we had a nice little devops setup that when brian warsink set up the mac devops uh, site the first one off github and i managed to break that one too a couple times but thanks to uh you know being able to <laughs> 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 retrieve the old uh, commits you could <laughs> back <undo. backups. laughs> you could undo. well you could undo the commit and stuff but uh yeah that one was like a, a Jekyll site and uh yeah. yeah, yeah. I never could uh, figure that one out. So when we started again, we went with WordPress because Ted. Uh, it was a task that I handed off to Ted. Ted, build the website. Okay, I'm building it WordPress. Okay, <laughs> and then when he handed it back to me, <laughs> it became my website. <laughs> so yeah, the website's mostly updated though. I see that Eventbrite still has a bunch of 2020 text when it should be 2021. But
1: um, yeah. these things take time. So yeah, I mean.
0: It's best to do it beforehand and then let people know but hey when since when have i been doing it the best way <laughs>
1: <laughs> well see this this is a resolution by committee because you have now a whole bunch of other people looking at it helping you find all the issues
0: yeah no i mean it seemed uh, like it was, it was nothing but love in the mac devops yvr channel on slack and people were happily uh, letting me know where there's there's things that need to be fixed and people were excited so um i, I felt the love as i was combing around through the WordPress site and looking for the things to fix and then the Eventbrite site. and uh, Yeah, you know, committee of a few of us, one of us. <laughs> We've been talking about updating it, so I was like, well, I guess I'm delegating the task to myself.
1: That's not really delegation if you delegate it to yourself.
0: But... It kind of is delegation, too, you know, uh, given that I'm know, setting De- a task and I'm assigning it to myself and at De- the same time my... De- I- De- <laughs>
1: dev and ops are you and you're working together at the same time as one of my clients has a (laughs) had a power
0: outage and i had to go on site and go and repower on the things but that worked out great because oh
1: yeah power outages power outages are a thing they're a thing but luckily for us the the weather's my favorite term for uh what's happened over the last couple uh days or week or whenever you're hearing this is uh this polar vortex is the um fast food frozen burrito so it's warm on the, on the edges, but it's frozen in the middle.
0: That is a disturbing <laughs> metaphor for climate right. change and, uh, <laughs> but, throw in yeah. the independence of the independent Texas, uh, power grid that is connected to neither West nor East, nor North, nor South. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Texas, but yeah, you, they had to suffer in the dark and cold, um, because their power grid was not connected to any other's power grid, but I hear that there are changes that they're they're st- they're making some new changes into their power grid. As soon as it un- uh, th-
1: this definitely lights up, uh, you know, thoughts of our clients and and how we're keeping them, you know, protected with battery backups and and long term uh, uh, power solutions. I know I've talked to a couple of folks about generators and what they would might need to do if if there were a long-term outage i'm like you should probably plug your refrigerator in first and then your network equipment but that's just my thoughts on on the whole process
0: yeah i mean my mom lives in a a remote area and she's she said she wanted to get a generator plugged in so she could plug in her fridge and her freezer and i was like i mean i can see the utility of that but the first thought i would have was like can i have my heating generation plugged into like a generator if, if it's in the middle of winter and the power goes out yeah maybe if i would decided to keep ten thousand years of stuff in my freezer which i would never do but i would probably want my heating to be on my uh
1: generator but uh, yeah well what i'm surprised does not exist is a generator type system where the generator somehow funnels the the warmth through a heat exchanger of the exhaust the warmth of the exhaust that is through a heat exchanger that you can then blow back in like to the house or whatever right you're basically forced to put this heat generator outside in the cold more, more than likely and you don't get to use any of that heat all you get is electricity to then create more heat seems backwards
0: yeah, it's too bad you can't just put them inside, but there's some something <laughs> called carbon monoxide <laughs> carbon poisoning.
1: It <monoxide> is dangerous.
0: Something <laughs> uh, about you get the heat for a short while, then get that hit that doesn't last, and then you die. Yeah.
1: If solar only worked at night. Well, that's why I guess solar and
0: batteries or classic solar heating, or I saw this one house basically had solar panels, but also they had a pump where they pumped the water into the roof and it Mm -hmm. actually heated the water, which is an old fashioned technique where you use the sun to heat the water instead of heating electric panels to then heat water. And so they had half electric uh, solar panels and half just uh, heating the water, you know, um, classic old school passive way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple of those, uh, those types of systems where they uh, have a solar water heater on the, on the roof that then fills a, a very large cistern type tank. Uh, so it's a way of storing that heat energy for, for a long yeah. period of time. It's kind of cool. So. That
0: and some passive houses where the, you know, the insulation and the triple glazed windows and, uh, you know, you almost don't need central heating and maybe they have a heat pump or something, a heat exchanger. Right. But yeah, we've, uh, we've uh, gone, we've strayed far away from Mac DevOps other than the fact that huh, if there is no power, there is no Mac or dev or ops. <laughs> so right <laughs> in the beginning you need a spark
1: <laughs> yes exactly well and even uh, i've got a few clients that do have like whole house generators and things like that and and still putting making sure that like the network equipment is still on a ups that's going to react a lot faster than than the generator kicking on yeah uh is is important and uh a lot of those that I've gone in, they those systems that they kick on a lot that that UPS actually needs to be replaced uh, every year or two, because the electronics in that just get beaten to heck uh, uh, on all that switching on and off. Yeah. I've had
0: to get another UPS at my house. We don't have too many power outages. We've had a couple over the years, but it's mostly like a weird, like uh, almost like a brownout or a surge where basically it'll like it'll go for like a millisecond. And so then I can hear my UPS kicking in all my equipment and I've got like way too many raids and sands <laughs> plugged into my UPS right now. Um, yeah, I'm, you're probably
1: I'm... overloading it, but you know. Uh,
0: it's, it says it's not, but it could just be playing dead too. But yeah, I, need, I, I got a new UPS and uh, yeah. Yeah, UPS is important.
1: <laughs> when I, I realized the value uh when I moved to the M1 Mac Mini uh versus having the laptop that I that I worked on. You with the laptop you have a built-in UPS, uh as long as that battery is actually working. But uh with the uh the Mac Mini, you can't just like uh shut the power off to the wall and hope things still work. <laughs> or or whatnot, you, you kind of lose all the all the power. So I've had to Make sure that i have good ups systems in place just just for silly things like you know the wind blowing and flickering the power will kick off a mac mini very quickly uh just kind of sh- shameful but you'd think there's enough capacitors in that power supply to keep going for a little <laughs> while but apparently not
0: yeah i mean uh it's been crazy uh, with the power outages in texas and everywhere else uh, that is happening i mean it's kind of winter in some places and um, places that aren't used to cold freezing, uh, freezing roads or ice or snow. Um, they're getting a lot of it, uh, today. So, uh, I know, uh, one of our uh, guests for today was <laughs> in Texas and just got their power back. So, uh, yeah, couldn't, could not join us, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, very few of the remote team were, uh, were able to be online. So, I mean, you got everyone at home and so the home internet is important and the home power situation, um, uh,
1: <laughs> House. Right, failovers uh, of systems. Uh, we've we run into that. We've had a couple of windstorms here where uh, um, power has somehow stayed on, but but a limb has hit the cable internet connection or downstream. You know, much further away. Right, um, and and having backup, uh, even even something uh, simple like a, a mobile phone. Uh, that you can do a hotspot off of or a uh, couple of solutions I've seen of using like a, a Raspberry Pi that, that basically acts as kind of a, a lo-fi uh, <laughs> share your internet off your phone type of a connection to, to actually get your full network well, even
0: like a router that Same would have way. like a cell modem in it um, right. would be great i mean the you know I, I tried to remote into a bunch of systems today at this one client and when i realized i couldn't remote into anything i'm like mm, that sounds like a power outage and of course i'm always you know a creature of habit and i always say to my max to never restart if there's a power failure because well it's just not safe if the power is unstable but that means that they stay off. And so um, if, if there had been, you know, maybe a cell modem uh, split router, you know, so I could switch over to the cell modem that would have been great. And, or uh, some kind of therefore internet controllable, uh, you know, power switches. But, you know, and in actual fact, I was very lucky because our snow has finally disappeared mostly and it became a sunny day and, I actually operate under a principle of: Do I want a bike there? And today I was like, I want a bike, so I want a bike somewhere, and you know, it just happened to work <laughs> out that I could bike to visit my client and go turn on their equipment because I really needed a bike ride, and they needed their power on. So it was kind of a you know mutual, mutually beneficial arrangement. Uh,
1: I would be taking my life in my hands if I got on my bike in, in our current weather condition. You have a lot of snow and ice. Yes. 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 Yes.
0: Yeah, I saw someone post a picture of them um, breaking some limb. I don't know if it was the arm or a leg. I just remember seeing a cast and a quick Twitter scroll. And yeah, you know, biking when there's ice out is just not my uh, not my favorite. I I park my yeah. bike if it's uh, any chance of ice. You know, snowstorm that's okay. But yeah, if there's like you know ice, though the tiny little daggers of snow hitting your eyeballs that that can be annoying sometimes.
1: I I have goggles for that, but (laughs) still, (laughs) yeah, this is the weather that I wish I had a a fat tire e-bike to to help me trudge through all the snow and ice, but well, transit is there transit is there to help you. transit is there to help. Uh, I am, I am riding the bus uh, (laughs) versus driving the short bus uh yeah so lots of it's been it's been crazy technology uh weeks here uh you know we we talked a lot uh you know last week on on our episode fifty
0: yeah uh, fifty
1: number fifty, 50 this is fifty one so thanks thanks to everybody who's been sticking with us or has caught up and caught up on their sleep because they've caught up on our podcasts or or however that works
0: and you Put in a new theme
1: song for our fiftieth episode. A new theme song. Who caught that? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So yes, we're we're doing a little little ska kickoff theme song there. uh, That was very uh, sneaky of you to venture out and and make this a a little bit different and and let you know that it's just not weird Mac sounds that I come up with that uh, (laughs) that make it into the podcast. So. Uh, but yeah, we've had some interesting uh, DNS issues uh, going on. Uh, as, like entire networks get taken out by a DNS issue, like Backblaze. Um, yeah, their and... whole B2
0: uh, infrastructure went down because their <laughs> DNS registrar, I guess, had maybe someone either reported some abuse from a B2 link or B2 hosted site or um, some other reason, um, but as I caught it in mid Twitter uh, thread, scroll, uh, popcorn, bag of popcorn, um, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, our B2 is down and we're not able, and this is on Twitter, like from backblaze, we're not able to contact anyone from our DNS registrar. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like the perfect example of like, you sign up for a service and you have no way of contacting these people. There's no phone support, their Twitter, you know, doesn't respond. And like, and then, oh, it's just, just DNS. Right. So that means that right. no one who actually pays for your service. I mean, nobody uses Backblaze B2. Right. I mean, like it is business cloud backup. I mean, yeah, probably a lot of people. So <laughs> nobody could, but just watching this Twitter thread, it just, I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like, they're like begging people to like contact their registrar. And finally, the last Twitter tweet I saw was like, the executives are involved now. There's phone calls. I'm like, there's a failure of a system, the support system right. when you have to like. You
1: know. well, I, I think a lot of people forget that, that you actually don't own your domain name, right? You, you basically are entering into an agreement with a registrar that, that you have ownership of that domain name through their registration infrastructure. Uh, I ran into this uh, a lot with uh, a little company, <coughs> GoDaddy, um, that, uh, um, you know, if, if you don't respond to an email on, in a timely basis, they basically change all of your DNS to their DNS um, and then redirect your site to basically their upsell services until, until you respond. Uh, and and it can be very painful for for you, for a customer, uh, for clients. So yeah, you really need to uh, know who your registrars are and and what the, what their policies are and and uh, what their standards of conduct are going to be. And how can you get somebody in a chat or on the phone or respond to a ticket if, if things go sideways? So um, you know, I'm. I, I use Namecheap for the most part for most of my my DNS, and I, we don't we're not making any money off of that that by me saying that, but uh, that's who I use. I'm I'm not sure who you use, Matt, for for DNS registration. But.
0: Well, uh, I mean, uh, since I have a .ca for Canada domain, I've used uh, like Canadian registrars. Um, right, right. Um, But also I was and still using, uh, yeah, big question mark over my head, uh, DIN DNS, uh, they got oh, bought yeah. by Oracle. Right. So I had some of them for my extra DNS services, uh, but because everyone needs a little extra. But um, yeah, the main registration was like through, uh Yeah. Uh, Canadian registrars, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird game when you go looking and it seems that it was a funny uh, coincidence where not too long after seeing that uh, Twitter thread on uh, DNS burning in in the dumpster of... uh our favorite zine maker, uh, Julia Evans of wizard zines was asking people about uh, what uh, questions or issues they'd ever come up with DNS because she wanted to make a, a, a zine about DNS. And I was like, ooh, there's yeah. probably a lot of good stories out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that threads a long one. If you, if you do go back and, and follow it, there was a lot of responses to, to her inquiry. And, and yeah, there's a, there's a lot to DNS. It's always DNS, right? Uh, but also just just to registration and registrars of domain names, and then then yeah, the actual DNS record, which is you know your name servers, uh, and you you may have good DNS, you may be using a good DNS service, but if your registrar is garbage, it. <laughs> It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> yeah, and
0: I think this is the truth about any service or vendor that you deal with, whatever it is, storage, you know, since I deal with a lot of storage, but if, if you can't contact your vendor, then they're not really helpful. And so, you know, like when people used to ask me about what my favorite storage was or whatever, and I was like, wherever you can get help from, and it was like the same answer to it, like, should you have a Mac or a PC back in the good old days? And even though, yeah, I, I think an Apple computer is better than a Windows PC, but I'd always tell people, like, Who's going to help you? Who is going to provide you with help? If you live next door to a super Windows server, helpful t- tech person, then get a Windows machine if they're going to help you. You know, it's like, right, right.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, every every computer and everything is going to cause some concern. So you need someone to turn to for help. <laughs> so, And if you buy a Mac and you support Macs and thousands of computers, then go to the Mac Admin Slack or go to MDOYVR.com and talk to all the helpful people that are figuring out cool solutions. And then even then, you may not be able to figure it out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, but hopefully hopefully, uh, many hands make light work, right? Yeah. uh, You know, having a couple extra eyeballs on a situation might be able to help you and I think that's one of the great things about this community is is that uh, folks are willing to help and And uh, you know, as long as you don't come at it with the X Y problem, but actually, you know, (laughs) yeah, I mean, (laughs) what you're trying to solve?
0: A sanity check is what we need sometimes, and people can help us out. Or sometimes just confirm that the problem we're seeing is the real problem, and there is probably no solution. Like, hey, MDM and managing Max is broken. Yeah, you seeing that? Yeah, I'm seeing that. Yeah, we're all seeing that. Yeah, okay, (laughs) dumpster fire. (laughs) There's there was a a lot of good tweets about that recently. So.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's it's, uh, it's uh, a new a new uh, uh, playing field for for managing Macs and and definitely for uh, just the basics of getting updates run on on the new Apple silicon uh, you know uh, so we've seen uh, folks like Eric Gomez uh, uh, redevelop his nudge uh, uh, tool uh, into a, a Swift, UI app which is pretty cool um, to which is this is basically a tool that you can use to nudge your users to go run the standard update process um, it's we're in an interesting time now because most of my users I set up is non admins but you need to be an admin or be blessed to you well, uh, used to be able to, updates.
0: to use monkey and monkey was always been super helpful. <laughs> and as Greg was saying recently, the most touched code in monkey is the how to talk to software update and run it in command line, how to handle updates. And has been the most modified bit of code because Apple keeps moving the puck or the football or whatever it is, you know? Right. Yep. And uh, now it seems like it's almost, it's nigh impossible to help people update their computer. So nudge is, is interesting.
1: And, uh, yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, normal people would probably take the hint that maybe Apple doesn't want us mucking around in, in this arena, but that is not the typical Mac admin.
0: Well, <laughs> obviously, if, if, if you're in a place where you set a policy or you, you it, security is boring. And if you have a right. place where you say we should be on the latest or uh, the latest security update of whatever version we're on, then, then you want to be able to some way, uh, some way to check for compliance or somewhere to help your users do that. And, I've had to like create a couple of like very simple PDFs, but just going, okay, well, you see in software update that it wants you to do the Big Sur update. We're not doing Big Sur yet. So you want to do the Catalina software update, but Apple actually hides that. So go here, click on this very well hidden button in the more info. And it's actually updates for the OS you're actually running, not the Big Sur one. (laughs) It's just like, wow. I I think that Apple, there's a big hint there. We want you on Big Sur, but then they can't, you know, update, you know, they can't give you a proper update to 11.2 or 11.2.1 or something like that. Like people have been complaining about like not being able to get like the update, to show up and, uh, on Apple Silicon, maybe that's, has uh, been a big problem with the recent updates and wow. I mean, all you can do is go to your favorite donut shop and buy some vegan donuts and, and eat them. I'm just
1: <laughs> misery. Misery loves company. E- eat your problems, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a selection. Yeah chocolate matcha and other vegan donuts (laughs) that's exactly what i want in my ear (laughs) Mm, mm. donut so these these problems also don't uh are, are aren't isolated just to the mac platform either i mean this is apple is clearly having problems uh throughout their entire empire because we're seeing this even with uh the apple watch Uh, If you have a Series 5 or an SE, um, it can get into this weird uh, power safe mode that you just can't recover the watch out of. Um, And and they put a software update out there that basically didn't work. And so now their solution is, is if this happens to you, please contact us. But also, your Apple 5 watch could be out of warranty, and then they're not going to cover it. So... uh, they just want lawsuits, apparently. I don't I don't know.
0: The last three or four updates with my Apple Watch 3, um, I've had to unpair it and repair it just for it to be able to see the update because it's been impossible to update it. And that's literally almost taken me all day while I'm doing other things. But I'm like, okay, here, I'll take my watch off, plug it in. Okay, unpair it, get a thousand emails from my bank about Apple Pay and credit cards. Okay, um, add it back um, okay now I'm getting a bunch of emails and then the butterfly makes tornado happen and then I get mail from my bank about cards being taken <laughs> off and cards being added and and then I do the update <laughs> so.
1: but it makes you wonder if if uh, you know the if Tim Cook actually goes through this I mean obviously he probably has an assistant or two that actually do most of the setup of a device for for him but Seriously, I mean, this is not something that, that Steve would have ever allowed for a for user experience uh, with a product like that.
0: Well, that's where, I mean, the collective misery, you know, the co- collective commiserating of the community, um, collective community commiserating, CCC. Um, <laughs> this is where, you know, it, it's also known as a sanity check where you can say, am I going crazy or is this thing not working for you as well, right? And I think yeah. that helps us. And part of it is that we're, you know, even if Stockholm syndrome isn't a thing, we 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 you know we can describe it as a thing. We can pretend it's a thing where we love the thing that hates us and uh, software updates and and managing computers and, and, and software itself just is is an entity you know uh, designed not to be tamed and uh, we we uh, we hurt our souls a little bit trying to <laughs> yeah. tame tame this and I think the collective community commiserating can help uh, when it doesn't get too far. Uh, it can help to uh, find strategies, or just say, yep, yeah, this is kind of broken. Um, do what you can. Um, you're not just going crazy," because we, we, I think, we're all suffering alone sometimes in general, and then with com- with computers, it, right. our struggles to either update our watch or our struggles to manage computers for others. And
1: uh, yeah, it, it it definitely is a struggle, especially. I mean, I, I'm finding because I I don't have a lot of managed computers, computers that are on an MDM. Um, mostly because of how computers are procured and, and owners not understanding what MDM provides them or not wanting the quote-unquote surveillance uh, of, of being enrolled in MDM. Um, I'm basically being forced to say auto updates are on and you just kind of have to live with it. And hopefully Apple doesn't break anything, but we're going to run backups just in case Apple does break something and, and yeah, we should probably think of a, a backup solution for a computer for you in case things go sideways <laughs> just so that we can crack something new out of a box and get you back up and running as, as quickly as possible. Luckily there's a lot of, a lot of what they need on a daily basis is already in the cloud. So, you know, getting back to your email, getting back to a lot of your files are are already in the cloud. So um, that gets more difficult in, you know, VFX, right. And, and, uh, uh, large files, large data files. How, how do you get those systems back up and running if you're a large, uh, Adobe install? I mean, it, it takes a day to get all the Adobe software, uh, installed, depending on how fast your connection is. Uh, so how, how do you deal with all of that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I recently had to deal with that a little bit. Uh, I had, a a user that uh, their iMac was um, <laughs> misbehaving. And uh, so after exhausting a thousand other uh, work uh, workarounds and uh, troubleshooting steps, I was just like, okay, let's just erase it. So, you nuke uh, behave. You could behave, you know, and uh, <laughs> I've used lots of various tools uh, over the years and over months and days as, it, as this kind of changes depending on your OS and, and what you're using and and I've had good luck with, you know, Tim's uh, MDS app and uh, Installer uh, used that a couple of times, but this time I decided to, to have some fun with solving this problem. And so I, I just run into, uh, I think, um, uh, a new script called Erase Install. And so I was like, oh, I'll just try this. And basically it it runs uh, an Erase Install from like the start to install of the, the app, of the install app. Uh, so whatever, install Catalina or install Big Sur. And so that was... You can definitely, uh, you know, troubleshoot—not troubleshoot, but configure that uh, in a lot of different ways. But basically, just grab it can grab the latest uh, installer of the version that you want and build that you want, and then uh, it can wipe and uh, set up a new Mac pretty quickly. So that was a, it was a, it was a fun, uh, it was a fun, it was actually really, really quick. I was, <laughs> I was very startled. Uh, but yeah, it ran really quick, and then yeah, you're back to square one and right. And then I had to make sure my uh, monkey bootstrap was updated because you know I'm the one maintaining it and it wasn't quite up to date. So I had to make sure that the, uh, I updated my bootstrap with the certs and all this kind of stuff and then basically install that. And once, you know, monkey's enrolled in, you know, monkey report and basically monkey will install pretty much everything. So, uh, but yeah, getting it in Adobe, I, I basically went online and and <clears throat> regenerated a bunch of the packages um, just to see if I could make make the process a little bit faster. And they have, a. if you've made packages in Adobe in the uh, admin panel, you can regenerate them because they're always out of date and it'll, you can download them, but literally you're downloading a downloader, which downloads the package and then it's a multi-step <laughs> right. and then you can import that into monkey and then even import like an uninstaller. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, it's a process.
1: It's a process. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, very much uh, uh kind of a domino effect I feel like for for a lot of this uh, stuff and uh, it gets really tricky I uh, mean uh, we have we have areas of really horrible internet and people who have very sizable businesses running on very horrible internet um, and there's there's some things that we can do and I, I've done been doing this uh, in, in recent weeks of, of updating like the Wi-Fi and having better switches and better uh, network gear in place but it still doesn't fix the the upstream connection. If that's garbage, you're still gonna gonna suffer from that. So uh, I feel like uh, the bubble of uh, the reality distortion field bubble that that uh, some of these companies live in of having gigabit to the home or gigabit to the office and being able to just will uh, you know. Terabytes of data, you know, at, on a click—it's just not not actually possible here in in Spokaneistan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, in a lot of rural rural places, and even you know, a lot of homes—they they don't have the best internet. And even you know, when I got a fiber hookup, I didn't get a gig or anything. Like they were, you know, the the, the local ISP is like, "Oh yeah, we'll get fiber to you now." And everybody's like, "Yeah, we'll get fiber," and but. They're not promising any speeds. <laughs> they're, they may be right. putting fiber in, but they're they they are not you know going to you know unless it's a very competitive uh, or it's regulated. They're not going to give you like a gigabit. So I was like, "Can I have a gig?" They're like, uh, "No, how about hundred, hundred, hundred what, hundred thousand megabytes?" Like, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, hundred. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a very disparate. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're paying out of your salary, and everybody's working at home now. You know, and it's like you're you got to pay for your own computer setup and your remote setup. And as we've seen with this power outage, you know, if you have no power at home and you're depending on your, um, your local provider, I mean, I was, um, I was paying attention to some of the discussion in the Montreal Slack channel as well, because um, uh, yeah, I'm good friends with all those people. And uh, some of them were just complaining about how, you know, their internet's so slow, just standard cable modem and they're using resellers of the main cable company. And then they, the the resellers of the cable company's provider uh they're they have limited recourse to troubleshoot or only have once a week they can adjust settings with the main company and then it's major winter in montreal so like somebody's like okay well instead of this cable we'll just get fiber and they're like yeah pipes are all frozen we can't get fiber anywhere into your home you will have to wait till may right. you know it's like right.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> call us back when, when the snow and ice are gone like those are real problems, or you know, like if you had saturated networks, uh, cable networks, then you're not going to get anywhere. I mean, I'm, I, I got a yeah, I got a second connection in my house now, but I mean, I think they're all all coming from the same tree. So if that one tree goes down or that one line goes down, then right both those redundant. You well, know,
1: so. I I think uh, you know folks don't realize, especially if you're on cable internet, that that you're all sharing a connection with your neighbors. Um, and and the, if you have a lot of people on that same connection, it's going to be a lot slower and everybody's working from home now. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I used to see during the, during the day while everybody's at work at home, my speeds were through the roof and in the evening, they just, it's a trickle. You can, you could use Pigeon IP uh, to get a faster internet connection, I, <laughs> tie your message to the foot of a bird, and send it aloft. <laughs> but like where my, where my office is, uh, there's not a lot of, uh, folks on cable internet here. Uh, most, most folks are either on fiber or, uh, some other solution, uh, <clears throat> DSL, which is horrible. Um, so we actually have better, uh, better cable internet speeds, uh, so it's, it is, it's an interesting paradigm. Uh, to, yeah. To CEO, I
0: mean, but. I, 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 got a cable hookup and a, and a phone fiber hookup and uh, the, the phone company is actually uh, <laughs> symmetrical and fast. And, uh, right. uh, but I found that because everyone was home, that the connection to certain clients were, were, which were better before were now worse because everyone's going through like a terrible VPN service, uh, you know, yeah. uh, um, so some things are faster, uh, but, uh, not everything, but yeah, yeah everything, <laughs> the internet and all the CDNs, uh, the content distribution networks. And it's a, it's a fragile web JD just don't, don't poke it.
1: Right. Yeah. When we, uh, we tossed all the uh, net neutrality rules out, out the window uh, a couple of years ago. So yeah. no worries. The, the big megacorps will, will do you no harm. Well, I hope uh, that improves for uh,
0: you and everyone else in the world. uh, Because I think, uh, yeah, my socialist brain says uh, we need to have guaranteed internet for everybody. If so much of our government services or public works are going to be through the uh, internet, then we need to guarantee a certain level of connectivity for everyone. I mean,
1: that's what happened with, with phone lines, uh, you know, and phone service, uh, and electricity, uh, you know, at least, uh, here in, in the States and, uh, it, things may change in the next couple of years, uh, here stateside, but, uh, we'll, we shall see. So internet for everybody. Yes. Yes. That's, that's the new campaign <laughs> campaign rally.
0: Um, on the Mac DevOps front, um, to be absolutely clear, don't, Don't believe everything you read on the Mac DevOps website. Um, Yeah, it's 2021. This is the year. (laughs) This is (laughs) the year. (laughs) And um, yeah, so June 9th through 11th, we're planning to have an event. Uh, Probably do some workshops on the June 9th. uh, And then the 10th and 11th, we'll have some talks. Um, um, Ashton's going to come back and do some graphic recording. Uh, Our friend Felipe will help uh, wrangle uh, speakers and hopefully do some live Producing, and we'll see what happens. Um, Yeah, plans are happening as we speak. You know, the shape of the conference is forming. Um, The website is being edited live. (laughs)
1: Live.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those static files are changing quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Call for speakers will go out as soon as I edit the website. (laughs) As soon as I find where the call for speakers is hidden on the website, I will edit it.
1: This is a, a highly, highly tuned, highly skilled operation here. Stand back. <laughs>
0: Stand back. Stand by while we find some adults that can help us solve this problem. Adulting is
1: hard. I, I don't blame you for not being able to handle this all on your own. So that's why we have the community.
0: Yeah, no, uh, thank you to everybody in the uh, Mac MacDevOps YVR Slack channel. Uh, who have pointed out where I have not edited the correct things. <laughs> <laughs> the link to Eventbrite should be correct now everywhere or almost. Um, but yeah, 2021 June 9th through 11th Mac DevOps. We are doing it on our Discord server uh, and probably live to YouTube as well. But we'll see. We'll see how things go. We got some tech to uh, to to uh, you know set up or experiment or test or see what we can do. We got some testing to do.
1: We'll let you know what it all is on the thirteenth of June.
0: Thirteenth of June, I will
1: tell you how it went. Yes,
0: how <laughs> <No>, it went. <laughs> <laughs> the stories will be told. Many stories. Um.
1: So you'll you'll appreciate this. I had somebody contact me uh, through through my website and say, back in two thousand thirteen, I bought this uh, Thunderbolt raid from you. It is failing, and the company that made it says that it's out of warranty. <laughs> Can you help me? Um, Well, the funny thing about all of that is that because people were horrible about hard drives, I had little stickers made up that said purchased on expires on kind of like, like when you get the oil serviced in your vehicle. Interesting. That we we would stick on, on there. And basically the date we wrote on there was three years or two years, depending on the warranty of the drive from their date of purchase. Like this expires, like like it's a bad egg or a bad <laughs> bad salad or something like that, right? And I'm like, you should have replaced this years ago, like in 2016, maybe 2017. It's 2021. That's pretty amazing. It's lasted this long. <laughs> that it's lasted that long, but also no backups, not a single backup made. Trusted that RAID somehow is a backup.
0: That that drives me crazy it drives me crazy
1: when raid is a hardware failure and just like i i don't want to help you i really don't want to help you because you're going to be very upset and disappointed when you discover that you've lost all the data off of that raid because that's why i took all the
0: contact info off my website i just don't like when people contact me (laughs)
1: right i used to have like
0: my phone number for some reason on there and my email like no (laughs) just, <laughs> I have like I have some stock art that I bought, and I just put a picture of some servers, and I'm like, let it inspire you, let it make you at peace. Right. But please don't contact me. Please don't
1: contact me. Yeah, that's that's literally where I'm at uh, with this, and I'm just like, no, just no. But I've I've had so I because we used to sell little little external drives for Time Machine as well, and that's where the stickers really came in because I mm. it drove me crazy. People would bring in their Dead iMac that's four years old with the external drive that we sold them at the same time that's also four years old that's been spinning as long if not longer and be like well, what do you mean my backup's dead too
0: yeah I mean that's why I uh, decided to do like a family purchase of Backblaze for my whole family and so mm-hmm. I, I I pay for everyone's Backblaze just so I don't have to like deal with the problem they all have Time Machine drives too and then some of them have NAS. Synology NAS is, you know, um, I, I, you know, I believe in multiple, uh, multiple strategies, you know, where possible, multiple
1: places where possible, but But
0: I too have also bags of time machine drives, which don't work, you know, and I'm just like, (laughs) I don't want to deal with that. Like, no, (laughs) backblaze, you can restore it, you know? Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, OWC is a good company in the states, and uh, you know MaxSales.com. They're not sponsoring us, but uh, you know, they bought a, a bit of gear from them from for different uh, clients, and uh, that's definitely a good place to buy some drives if you want to buy some drives that are you know can last a little long, a little little a little bit of a long time, you know. But right. uh,
1: they don't last forever. <laughs> nothing lasts forever, especially a yeah, Nothing lasts forever. But I, I think my my best guidance has been the the warranty on the drive is the expiration on the drive. If, it has mm-hmm. a, if that drive comes with a two year warranty, that drive expires two years from the minute it got power by your action. And if it has a three year warranty, then then it expires three years from from that point that you plugged it in.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's why I always counsel people to get um, you know the Apple Care. I mean, sometimes people think of it as a waste of money, but you know, if you buy it and it's good for three years, then your your computer's covered for three years. If you get extra years off of it, that's amazing. And people sometimes get 10 years off their Mac, but you're living on borrowed time, you know, yes. it's like- um, <laughs> or, or in this
1: weather, skating on thin ice with hot skates.
0: In my world with large storage uh, volumes, whether NAS or SAN, I mean, we always go to LTO tape and every couple of years there's a new LTO generation, which, you know, you can think of as a pain and an extra expense um, but to me, if I move from LTO six to LTO eight, then that means I have a copy of everything on LTO six and now I'm making a new copy on LTO eight. <laughs> right. uh, and then, you know, they just announced like, uh, I think LTO nine is shipping with like, uh, I don't know, is it 15 terabytes or 30 terabytes? Uh, That's I can, I can never keep track right now. Uh, LTO seven is five and a half, uh, terabytes per tape. And then LTO eight is, I think about 10 or 12 depends on your material. If it's video, it's usually, um, uh, half as much. And if it's, you know, compressed, compressible files, like text documents or spreadsheets, then you usually they can get 30 terabytes on a tape. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, with LTO nine, there's like a huge, huge increase in capacity. And so if you migrate all your tapes, which sounds like a pain in the butt, uh, you, you're getting an extra copy. Um, but, uh, right.
1: on, on a newer medium.
0: Yeah. And yeah, it may sound cheaper to just have some drives on a shelf, but who knows if those drives actually work. Um, if you have a RAID, then yeah, that that RAID is not meant as a backup and mm-hmm. any one of those drives will die. And, you know, I've seen Synology NASs, which are just fancy RAIDs with, you know, one drive with, you know, a couple thousand smart errors and another one with getting close. <laughs> so you place right. the one drive and you're ready to hold the whole thing fail unless right. that there's right. a backup of that somewhere else, either Preferably on another Synology ready to take over, (laughs) or you know, if you buy one QNAP, buy a second. If you buy one Synology, buy a second. If you, you know, if you buy like a you know LumaForge Jellyfish that has ZFS file system, back that up somewhere on tape, another NAS somewhere. If you have a XN, then back that up on a on a Thunderbolt RAID, or uh, you know, just uh, copies, many copies. Only if you like your data, as we tell our my children, uh, only brush the teeth you want to keep.
1: Yeah, it's like, like right. only back up the data you want to keep is what I tell my clients. You know, it's like, so you, you tell the, the oldest child that the youngest is a backup copy just in case. Uh, <laughs> you, I've you never, never made oh, that oh, joke. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean,
0: occasionally call the second kid a spare, but you know. <laughs> yes, I'm staring at my Thunderbolt stand that I've been testing uh, here. It's uh, another fancy raid with a uh, nice Thunderbolt on it. But um, yeah. A SAN is nice, but it's not a backup. So make sure your backups are your backups and then you have many copies.
1: Uh, More copies in more places. Only backup the
0: data you want to keep. So yeah, that's a good survey of uh, the week's events. You know, DNS has uh, been fun and interesting.
1: Uh, Uh, I saw your other uh, post about the airdrop stuff. Right. Right. Yeah, I've been testing out
0: Tailscale, which is like a, a... an easier, you know, quote unquote version of WireGuard, like a mesh VPN. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they have a really nice uh, setup procedure where basically you have an iOS or Mac app in the app store and the iOS app store, and you just like authenticate with Google or other authenticators. Um, and once you're, they have a free tier for testing, which basically a hundred devices under your account, and then you can basically see all your devices. And so... They they make the mesh VPN thing uh, very easy where you have a nice connection to all your devices and uh, but they were they're they were testing or testing an idea I guess uh, of how could they enable some kind of airdrop amongst all your trusted devices so as we know airdrop is this magical thing that when it works it's very magical and uh, Mm -hmm. it uses like Bluetooth uh, for proximity and then it uses point to point wireless which is kind of really cool when you first see it because then you're like oh we're not on the same wireless network or we're not on any wireless networks oh but it's just working because it's using point-to-point wi-fi and that's pretty pretty cool and Of course, you know, keeping airdrop on means keeping your Wi-Fi radios on, which is like a power issue if you're a laptop or an iOS device. And it's also a security problem where you don't want people airdropping stuff to you randomly. So
1: I would never do that.
0: No, Um. you got to keep your airdrop (laughs) turned off or only on contacts. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting when they were like trying to figure out an Apple airdrop simplicity sort of file transfer mechanism.
1: Is Tailscale kind of like Hamachi? Did you ever yes. use Hamachi? Yeah, I,
0: I loved Hamachi. Yeah, yeah, it's basically that. It's just, once you install, once you have the app from the app store. I mean, I literally installed it on my Mac and then <laughs> uh, zipped it up, compressed it, and then distributed it to all my other Macs that are on, under my account, and then just mm-hmm. opened them up and uh, um, and then just turned them on, and then all the devices just register themselves on this mesh VPN. And so, any services you normally have open, like if you have uh, screen sharing or SSH on, then you can just access through the mesh VPN. So, um, you know, they're on multiple different networks and physically different locations, but they're all talking to each other on the same IP range. Um, they try and keep them on the same, but you basically, Anywhere in that's anywhere it's installed, you basically have a little menu and go here's a list of my devices and get the IP if it, if you don't know it. And then you can connect to it through anything that's you know normally configured. But if you have SMB or screen sharing on, but it's in a remote location, you know, you don't have to VPN in because you're already connected right. just to your devices. So I think they were trying to figure out how would this work, you know, in a simplicity, how to keep it simple as a you know, a file sharing technique.
1: I wonder. I mean, it, it is not cross-platform other than than uh, Mac and iDevices. But Drop Copy. I wonder if if a tool like Drop Copy would work over over a Mesh VPN like that.
0: I think it would. I mean, uh, WireGuard is cross-platform and uh, TailScale is as well. So I mean, because it's just a nicer wrapper. I mean, and basically, because with WireGuard you have to generate a signature and you have to have a server that keeps mm-hmm. track um, of you know the keys and stuff like that. It's basically like a, a key server. Um, So TailScale centralizes that spot for you and allows you to authenticate and then uh, distribute keys uh, to your clients easily. Um, I mean, Ed did a really great talk for the Mac system in last year on uh, setting up WireGuard and uh, yeah, it was a great video. I mean, he shot it in an amazingly multi-camera setup and he's always clever and funny. I mean, the video is amazing, but WireGuard is a bit of a a thing to set up. So TailScale made it easy, a little bit easier. so, yeah, I mean, having things that I, I I was thinking of it as an insecurity approach too. like, how could you have services not turned on, but maybe be able to enable them as you need them. Right. So maybe you don't want SMB on, but you want to be able to drop a file and then maybe turn it
1: on as needed on an ad ne- as needed basis. Uh, right. Kind of like port knocking. Yeah. <laughs> the old, yeah. the old technique of knocking on a port a couple of times to turn that service on temporarily, but I mean, I guess if they're all physically separate or on different uh,
0: networks and, uh, you know, you're already part of a mesh VPN with keys exchanged, then maybe you can have services just on and available. But, um, you know, I'm not a developer or network architect, but, you know, just we have to think about security, but we have to think about, you know, ease of use. And I mean, they've, They've, uh, for lack of a better word, sold this idea of WireGuard or TailScale as, yeah, you can set up a, you know, a Linux server in a cloud somewhere at a hosting provider, and then you, you install WireGuard or TailScale, and then you can be able to access it from anywhere. Or I mean, I was even thinking like, how could we use this for Monkey or Monkey Report? Basically, you're just registering the WireGuard IP, the TailScale IP, and then you have your clients talk to each other just with that mesh VPN IP. You're not going through. Like a publicly accessible IP, you don't have to forward ports or make things, you know, in a DMZ or something. Or right. still testing that out. Uh, we we look forward to your your quick talk at uh, Mac DevOps. Oh yeah, oh, using oh, using nice. WireGuard for your, <laughs> your all your Monkey and the Monkey Report clients. And uh, uh, yeah, since I use Monkey Report, there's been lots of little action. Our our, our fun friend uh, Ophir, in the UK has been updating all the, the plugins for Big Sur. There's been a lot of changes in Big Sur. I mean, Apple's been changing you know, how everything from system profiler to everything works. So anything that's quizzing system profiler about the state of things needs to always get updates. And so Big Sur has changed a lot and Apple Silicon has changed a lot. So uh, I look forward to getting an M1 to test all this. Thank you, JD, for this uh, soul crushing moment of my life.
1: (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I'll do it again next week.
0: Okay. If you want to sponsor the Mac DevOps podcast, uh, just give us a shout at hello at mdoyvr.com. We'll be accepting sponsorships for the podcast and for the next year's conference. Thank you to our Mac DevOps YVR 2020 sponsors. Our sponsors for Mac DevOps YVR, the conference 2020. Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor, thank you so much for helping us out. Sauce Labs, our gold sponsor, SimpleMDM, our silver sponsor, and Adagy, our bronze sponsor, as well as Elastic, our community sponsor. Thank you so much. Uh, We couldn't do it without you. And uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests. And thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service.
0: It's a new year, JD. I can learn new things. A, i I finally learned year. how to schedule schedule the podcast. Fifty podcasts later. I finally figure out <laughs> what the schedule button does.